At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Bobby Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. You've got an excellent podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, Kristen Freeman. He does absolutely incredible work over at Bustin' Brackets. We're going to be joined by him to take a little bit of a look at one of the teams that we're going to be seeing on Monday and Robert Morris as he's based out there in the city of Pittsburgh. So certainly going to be diving in quite a bit on what we've seen in the ACC thus far this season. Some of the teams have been surprising to the positive and the negative. And I'm going to pose to him this question as well. What do we make out of some of these teams that have taken a few losses but have played a greater strength of schedule versus some of these teams that they're really beating up on the weaker teams. And then in those step-up games, they're having a little bit of a tough time. Pittsburgh certainly has been one of them. So we're going to be diving into that topic with Tristan in segment number two in the final segment. Going to get you guys fixing analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at Jaden underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter slash X questions today, but we had a fun day of basketball on Sunday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. A lot of people are going to lead off with the Memphis win and the Colorado win, but how about if we look at a team that's now 8-2 against the spread? St. Joe's. They are not average Joe's. They take down Princeton. 74-70. to This was Princeton's first loss of the season, but this is a legit Princeton team. I mean, they took down Rutgers. They took down Hofstra on the road. They took down Duquesne on the road. So, I mean, this is a for real team. And for Princeton, they shot well from three. 16 of 38 from distance, while 
St. Joe's was just 7-26, but where St. Joe's won this game, they took care of the ball. 14 turnovers for Princeton, just 8 for St. Joe's. Eric Reynolds was able to lead the way with 21 big points. Team did a nice job rebounding by committee, winning that rebound battle by a count of 32-30. to And for Princeton, even though they were able to shoot it well from the outside, on the inside, they went just 10-17. of 17. Meanwhile, for St. Joe's, they were able to do all of their work inside as they were able to go a grand total of 20 of 33 from two-point range and also for Princeton, two of six at the free throw line. You have to make those free throws when you get those opportunities and have to take an opportunity to highlight the fact that Iowa State has been able to cover these really big numbers this season as well. They were laying about 27.5 against Prairie View and it was no match. I mean, they could have been laying 50 in this one because they won 107-56. to Iowa State, 9 of 15 from three-point range. Prairie View, 29 turnovers to 19 made field goals. Now, Iowa State also had 25 turnovers in this game. This was a sloppy Joe's game as Kishan Gilbert. About 20 points, 8 assists, 8 rebounds, 8 turnovers. Not a line that you see very often, but you had 22 points off the bench from Curtis Jones as well. And for Prairie View, they just were unable to put the ball in the basket. They shot 33% from the floor, so a quality win there. And how about a quality win for Colorado? They just completely pound the tar out of Miami by kind of 90-63. to 63. As for Colorado, they've actually been dealing with a few of their younger players, dealing with just a little bit of injury. And you had 20 big points out of K.J. Simpson. The other main holdover from a season ago, Trissa Da Silva, he very nearly went for a triple-double. 22 points, 10 boards, 9 assists. Now, the issue that you did have with Colorado in this game was the 15 turnovers, but Miami, they turned the ball over 20 times in this one. And for Miami, they go only about 45% from the floor. Colorado was really able to control the tempo in this game. And thus, Colorado at Barclay Center, they get an absolutely massive win for them. Speaking of absolutely massive wins, how about what Memphis was able to do on the road against Texas A&M? They very nearly let this one slip slide away, but 81-75, to Memphis was really taking control in the second half. You saw Texas A&M make a little bit of a run late, but David Jones, 29 big points for Memphis as they go 9 of 22 from 3 points now. Memphis did have 16 turnovers in this game, but they redeemed themselves by winning the rebound battle 37 to 35. They're without Jordan Brown right now, but absolutely no problem for Jones, who was able to give the team 7 rebounds. And then Javon Quinterly, 24 points, 5 assists, one turnover, very, very efficient play. Now, credit where credit is due for Texas A&M. Manny Obaseki off the bench at 21 points. And as a matter of fact, for Texas A&M, 41 of their points did come from off the bench. They were able to do a nice job of mixing and matching. But Memphis, they get the job done. A very big win for them. And this was a massive win for the Big West as well. Long Beach State. They go on the road and they win outright in the return slash the debut of Bronny James, 84-79. USC loses outright as 14.5 point underdogs. And USC now 1-2 and two straight up against the Big West at home thus far this season. And, and it gets worse because USC had a double figure lead in the first half in this one. As a matter of fact, they led by as many as 16 points. And then that lead went straight down the toilet bowl for Bronny James, by the way. Just a very good story in general. The fact that he's back out there on the floor. Played 17 minutes. He had 4 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, no turnovers. Wasn't necessarily a 
just banner day in terms of the stat line, but it was a banner day just for health in general, for him being able to get out there, and you love to see that story, but you also love to see Long Beach State be able to get it done, despite the fact that you know, he shoot about 42% from floor. They won the tournament battle by kind of 19-18, to 18, but I mean, they were unable to pull away with a lot of facets of this game, except for the fact that Marcus Siones, he was just hot. 28 points. The gentleman who began his career over at Washington goes 3 of 6 from 3-point range. An absolutely mammoth performance from Long Beach State. And how about a streak staying afloat as well? Iowa has now scored at least 75 points in 26 straight games at home. Michigan gets the job done outright by kind of 90 to 80, but there was legitimately a fear that this streak was going to be going by the wayside as for Iowa. They were at just 60 points with about 323 remaining. As a matter of fact, for Iowa, they were sitting at about 44 points with 1138 remaining in the game. And for Iowa, they only went 5 of 20 from three-point range, but there was a lot of late game falling in this one. As for Michigan, they were able to hit their free throws 23 of 20 at the charity stripe. Every single one of their starters were able to reach double figures with Olivia Combo being able to chip in there. 12 points, 10 rebounds. Very big for a Michigan team in which they had fallen to 4 and 5 after they were looking like one of the darlings of college basketball through two weeks. Tulsa was looking like one of your hot teams to start out the season as well. They began the season, I believe, 5-2 and two against the spread, but Oklahoma State, wire to wire, completely controlled this game, 72-57. to 57. For Tulsa, they go 3-20 of 20 from 3-point range at Oklahoma State, who's had their struggles. They had Small come up big. How about Javon Small with 18 points, 6 boards, goes 2-5 of five from 3-point range, and Oklahoma State wins this game despite the fact that they had 28 turnovers to 23 made field goals. Tulsa, they themselves had 20 turnovers in this game, but the difference for Oklahoma State, they win the rebound battle 41 to 23 to be able to get that in. And we always talk about movie flops. Well, if Michigan State was movie, they'd be the adventures of Pluto Nash. I mean, my goodness, they're now four and five. Nebraska gets it done 77 to 70. As for Michigan State, their three-point shooting was back in this one. 8 of 17 from three-point range. They were a top-five team in terms of three-point shooting percentage a year ago. They entered quite cold from the outside entering into this one. Malik Hall gives you 22 points, but for Michigan State, defense failed them. As for Nebraska, they go 10 of 23 from three-point range. You had 20 big points out of Juwan Gary, and I mean, it wasn't a big scoring performance for Rink Mass, but he had 14 rebounds, 6 assists, Absolutely love what he was able to bring to the table for this Nebraska team. And for Nebraska, just nine turnovers in this game as well. So they were able to get that one in. You also saw Boston College in the state of New York take down St. John's 86-80. Boston College all of a sudden looking pretty darn legit right now. As for BC, they hold St. John's to shooting just 4 of 19 from three-point range. Now to the credit of St. John's, they win the turnover battle 13-8, to but... Quinton Post, he was big in the post, and he was one assist away from the triple-double. 14 points, 11 boards, 9 assists, just another great effort out of Boston College, who all of a sudden is 8-3, and three, and they have been quite solid thus far this season. So you absolutely do love to see that, and when it comes to teams that you might be wanting to fade a little bit more right now, Grambling has certainly been towards the top of the list. Now, 
I'm doing this podcast a little bit in advance with Washington State. They were laying about 24 and a half points, so whether or not they get there, it's a little bit of a question mark. But going into their game against Washington State, Grambling was 0-6 against the spread. Only other team that entered into Sunday without a cover. Georgia Southern is currently 0-9 against the spread. That has been not great, to say the least, for them as far this season. But it has also been not so great for old Detroit. And for Detroit, they had a chance to be able to get a cover against Northwestern, and they were unable to do so. Northwestern, 91-59. They completely pull away as Detroit was down about 10 points with about a minute remaining in the first half. They were catching 23 and a half, and then things just went down the toilet bowl for them in the second half as Northwestern, they go 10 of 24 from three-point range and off the bench. You saw Nick Martinelli go 10 of 12 from the floor, 22 big points. Detroit loses a turnover battle, 13 to 7. They lose a rebound battle, 36 to 32 as well. So utter domination from Northwestern and another team has been relatively rough at being able to get you some money and being able to cover the spread. How about our good friends over there at Charleston who have been just 3-6 and six against the spread and of course I make my DK network right up the under in this game and the benches go completely berserk and Charleston they look to be getting back online. They get the win, they get the cover over Rhode Island by kind of 85-70 to 70. for Rhode Island. They go 9-23 of 23 from 3 and Charleston 10 of 23 from three-point range. Again, both benches went 12 of 22 from three-point range. That's just not something you can anticipate. It was a little bit more of tempo than I was expecting as well. So that's something that I do need to work on in this Rhode Island team. Even though they play slow, they're not necessarily terrific on defense, to say the least. And the man that was able to get it done for Charleston in this one, Ben Burnham, 23 points, five rebounds. Charleston, they win that rebound battle by kind of 38 to 31. They win the turnover battle. 17-11, and Rhode Island looks like they're in for another rough season. They were able to have Jaden House give you 12 points, but you also had five turnovers and went one of four from three-point range. So another less than terrific effort there, but you also were able to see a relatively solid effort in the AM from Fordham. How about Fordham taking it to North Texas, 60-59 to and a low-scoring slobber knocker as for Fordham. They were trying to overcome the fact that they had lost to NJIT just days ago, and they were able to do so. Not really anyone that was massive for this Fordham team. It was just very balanced in general. Six different guys had at least eight points, and the only guy that was able to get to 10 was Antrell Charlton, who was able to chip in there 10 points. For North Texas, you did have Aaron Scott chip in there, 10 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 blocks. So it was very chippy down low. It was a very physical game. But in the end, Fordham, they were able to get that one done. And then in the battle for the state of Rhode Island, you did see Providence win and cover against Brown, 74-54. to as That's a team that has been a nice fade thus far this season. Brown has been rough, to say the least, in terms of their defense. They allow Providence to shoot a little bit over 50% from the floor. For Providence, they actually lose the turtle battle, 18-16, to but they win on the glass, 36-26. to You saw 17 big points out of Bryce Hopkins along seven boards. So another rough one for a Brown team that I do think is going to be able to turn it around. The question becomes when. And right now what we're taking a look at in college basketball is some of these trends. And right now it's a little bit all over the place because we saw a lot of overs begin the season. We saw a lot of favorites begin the year. And then we saw a nice run on home underdogs. Really nothing standing out over the last seven days. Last seven days, 125 unders, 123 overs, and two pushes. Home underdogs are 30 and 29 against the spread. Favorites are 121, 126, and 3 against the spread. So some pretty milk toast numbers there. 
Over overall for the season, still doing quite well. 786 overs to 746 under, so that's a 51.3% rate to the over home underdogs. 177, 174, and 6 against the spread, while favorites overall hitting about a 50.4% clip against the spread. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now, and that's what we all got on Sunday. Now let's turn it forward to a little bit of Monday's action. Let's also take a look at what we all got this weekend with regards to some prizes, and let's take a look at the lay of the land in the ACC with Tristan Freeman, who does tremendous work over at Boston Brackets. He joins me next right here on Cuts with myself, Greg Eats, and now a part of the Eats Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, 
They want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. And we're back to Love You Las Vegas for Ghosts and Guess Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peters, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man as Tristan Freeman. He does a tremendous job over at Boston Brackets. Take a look at this game that we all know and love. I know he worked so hard this offseason to get set for the upcoming season. And right now, a lot of what he was talking about has come to fruition. He does an amazing job as well of taking a look at all the teams out there in the Pittsburgh slash Pennsylvania area. And you're able to follow him on Twitter slash X over at Hoopsnut351 all together. And Tristan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me once again, Greg. Thank you for joining me, Tristan. And Tristan, it has been an absolutely wild run to start the season. And I'm not sure how you take a look at things in college basketball right now, but I feel like darn near every team except for Arizona has had some sort of a clunker performance this year. Arizona has just been completely bulletproof to this point, and I do think that they are worthy of being the number one team as of right now. But how do you take a look at the college basketball landscape? Because when we take a look at teams having an off-shooting night, something like that, we always see it as an outlier. And like I said, Saints, Arizona, I feel like every team has had to deal with that, which makes it increasingly difficult to evaluate where these teams are right now. We see a, a tier starting to emerge. I would say probably like a good eight or nine teams that, that sort of separate themselves as legitimate title contenders. Obviously, the unbeaten teams like Arizona, Houston, Baylor are in the mix, but then Kansas and Purdue, who is in the Maui Invitational, Marquette as well, Rain and Champs, UConn, two in the mix. I mean, I think those teams have sort of separated themselves as legit title contenders, where even if they would lose a couple of games here or there, I wouldn't be as worried. Others are going to have to go on their own run to sort of impress me of sorts. Yep, I do think so as well. And I'm so glad that you brought up Houston, because with Houston... It certainly has been a case where they haven't battled necessarily the world's greatest competition, though I will make the argument that that win over Utah is looking better and better by the day. But how do you take a look at a team like Houston, who they have really been beating up on teams by 30-plus points? But I mean, other than really that game against Houston, and I'll give a little bit of love to Dayton as well, they're still a little bit, shall we say, unproven as of right now, whereas a team like a Kansas that has taken a loss, a team like a Marquette who's taken a loss or two, these teams, they do have an L or two in that column, but at the same time, they have played against better competition. Yeah, I think we've all just going to be waiting for a Big 12 play for Houston. I mean, their schedule isn't elite in a non-con, but since they're not in the American, they don't have to schedule like a Gonzaga normally does. So they've played enough decent teams where they can build their own resume in the, the eventual fight for top seed in, in the big dance. But we're just going to have to wait until they get up against the likes of Kansas and, and Baylor to see how good Houston is. But, you know, any Kelvin Sampson-led team is going to be there. They have the guard play with, with Shed and Damian Dunn and, and the others. So I'm not worried about them one bit. But you do want to know, like, are they definite title contenders or just team or a team that could be ranked in the top 10 once again? but could have another early exit. going to be really interesting to take a look at this Houston team in your number one in the Big 12, a Big 12 that is once again locked and loaded as Tristan Freeman, who does absolutely tremendous work over at Boston Brackets, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And it does look like, once again, you've got the Big 12 that is reigning supreme in all of college basketball. But I do want to get your thoughts on the ACC just because you do get an up-close and in-person look at Pittsburgh. And 
I just fear that we're in the same boat once again with the ACC because I've actually really liked what I've seen out of the top teams. I know that Duke has had a couple wobbles, but all in all, they still look pretty solid. You've got a North Carolina team that honestly has done a little bit better than expected. And heck, Virginia right now looking like a really good defensive team, but it does feel like the bottom of the conference with the likes of Louisville and company is once again going to be letting this conference down. And I do have massive question marks, and I'd be remiss not to mention that Clemson has looked very, very good as well. Yeah, if you take Louisville and Notre Dame out of conversation, you just hope that bubble teams don't lose to them this time around. They don't have a great top because if North Carolina is the best team in the rankings and they're probably going to be the only team in the top 15, assuming Miami takes a drop, it's not great because I think people are still not sure about Hubert Davis, but it's still a league with potential. I mean, Boston College on Sunday beat St. John's. You have Florida State, who's capable of beating a team like Colorado, although they didn't follow up with Stetson. We ultimately still don't know about teams like Virginia Tech, NC State, Wake Forest now that they have Efton Reed and should be getting Monsanto back. Pittsburgh, who's shown flashes, but also can be vulnerable. Which is still ultimately going to be a lot of unknowns. And I think the league did okay in the non-con, but not necessarily great. The good news for them is that outside of the Big 12, I think there's questions for all the other leagues and their perspective middle of the leagues. We'll have to wait till January to see who starts to separate themselves. But I think no one outside of, again, Louisville, Notre Dame, can you definitely say is a bad team. And that's progress in its own right. Yep, it certainly is. With Georgia Tech, it looked like it might be a little bit of a rough year for them after that loss to UMass Lowell, which, by the way, UMass Lowell actually a pretty solid team thus far this season. But rebounding with that win over Mississippi State, I thought was absolutely massive for the conference. You mentioned it, Boston College, who has been one of those bottom teams the last few seasons. Them being able to rise up is good. Still not sure about Florida State, but they've got a win over Colorado. The loss that they took to South Florida a little bit ghastly on Saturday, but it does feel like at the very minimum, the ACC is picking up some of these quality wins, saying it's what we're seeing out of Louisville. And, hey, they even had an opportunity against Texas as well. So that has been very important to note. And I know that you do a great job of covering Pittsburgh. And it is one of the things that just myself from a betting perspective tries to quantify this time of year because I feel like Pittsburgh is a team that really fits this mold. With Pittsburgh, they've got some pretty good metrics right now because I'm sure that you noticed as well as I did when they went up against the likes of Jacksonville, when they went up against the likes of North Carolina A&T. They completely dumped on them, winning by like 25-plus points. They looked really solid, but I think that you'd agree with me that when we've seen Pittsburgh in these step-up games, even against a team like a Missouri, they have fallen a little bit short. What do you make out of a team like a Pittsburgh that on paper they've got relatively good stats, but when they played against better competition, they just have not been up for the challenge? Yeah, I think there are some pieces for Pitt that played better in preseason expectations. I think Ishmael, again, has been a really good transfer find from Rhode Island. Blake Kenson is now a 20-point-per-game consistent scorer at that, and he's someone that could be c- compete for ACC Player of the Year. And, of course, the freshman, Bub Carrington, has been really good. And, and his play alone, I think, is going to determine how good Pittsburgh can be. But some of the other pieces just hasn't been great. Federico Federico had a great first year filling in for John Hughley, but he struggled. The Diaz-Graham brothers sort of had their ups and downs. And then Zach Austin, a transfer from High Point, 
his minutes is getting cut, and there's a chance that he's going to lose his starting job to Will Jeffress. You know, Pittsburgh needs to get their depth sorted out in terms of guys who can score because you don't want to be in a situation where you need Henson to go for 30 to have a shot. But they do have the kind of offense that can beat just about anyone, and they were still competitive against a Clemson team that you could make the case is currently the best team in the ACC. Assuming that they get through Purdue-Fort Wayne and South Carolina State, We'll have to wait to see how they look against a team like North Carolina in open league play. But as we saw a year ago, that can be the start of, of a nice run for the Panthers. Yeah, Ben, if they lose to South Carolina State, I think you want to be packing up the 10 for an NCAA tournament bid. That would not be too terrific, to say the least. But I think that that's so well said on Clemson as well. And I do want to get your thoughts on Clemson before we dive into some of the teams that we're going to be seeing on Monday because Clemson has been one of the biggest surprises to me. We saw them on Saturday really have their coldest shooting performance of the year against TCU. They still did a nice job of holding it down on the glass. And I think that this is a team with some real potential, not just to be able to perhaps win the ACC, but to be able to wreck some shop nationally, as I feel like this is the most balanced team that Brad Burnell has really ever had. He knew P.J. Hall was going to be an all-ACC player. Chase Hunter was going to be great. And Joe Girard was was going to be a nice double-digit scorer for them. The question was going to be, what was they going to do at the fourth spot replacing Hunter Tyson. And Ian Shefflin has had an underrated, very good start to the year. He's a double-digit scorer, a really good rebounder, and an underrated passer as well. When you have someone that can pass like him with all those available shooters, that can just make this offense really potent. And they're winning all the games that they're supposed to. They haven't screwed up yet. And all you can do is just be impressed with what they have. People will still remember last year after their great start to the year before they floundered. But I think this team is better equipped to withstand those issues and be not only a tournament team, but one that could potentially do some damage in March. Yep, absolutely. I really love what I'm seeing out of this Clemson team. My biggest question mark for them coming into the weekend was how would they respond on a little bit of a cold shooting day? They had a little bit of a cold shooting day against CCU, and they responded really, really well. So that certainly stood out to me from the weekend. As Tristan Freeman who does amazing work over at Boston Brackets, who's joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops, and certainly you do a great job of covering the Pittsburgh area teams. But I know that in the Pittsburgh area, you've got a team that is currently struggling, and they're going to be in action on Monday. That would be Robert Morris. They're going to be playing us to Delaware, and they are going to be a home underdog in this spot. But I do want to get your thoughts on this Robert Morris team because one thing that stood out to me in researching this game is that each of the top four scores for Robert Morris have missed at least one game. They're all now back in fold, and maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe I'm just buying into some of the hype that I had around Robert Morris going into the season, but I do think that Robert Morris has a golden opportunity on Monday to pick up a big win against a Delaware team that has really struggled on defense. Yeah, I mean, at at the same time, though, there's also a Delaware team coming off a big upset win over Xavier. So they're very capable of beating a a mid-major like Robert Morris. The Colonials, they're just very inconsistent. They only got four real scorers. That starter, Jackson Last, can't give them anything offensively. TJ Rainwright's had a great sophomore year so far, but... Outside of Marquise Hastings and Josh Corbin when he's making shots, they're relying on Justice Williams, LSU transfer, to give them consistent scoring, and he just hasn't been able to do that. RMU is very capable of scoring points. They also are capable of staying in because in the first half against Youngstown State, Northern Kentucky, they was right in there, but then things just fall apart. They have to prove that they can be good to stay in it for 40 minutes. They just haven't shown that yet. 
And if they don't start doing that, then they're going to lose a lot of games this year. Yeah, it certainly has been a rough start to the season for Robert Morris. And I think hurting them as well moving forward is that I feel like the Ryzen League is just so much better this year than it was a season ago. Right State certainly is not playing any defense, but this team on offense has been pretty solid. UW-Green Bay was just a skid mark on the underpants of college basketball the last few seasons. They've been able to rise up a little bit more as well. I take a look down the line, even at a team like in Northern Kentucky, even though they've been a little bit inconsistent. I like what I'm seeing there. And overall, I just take a look at this Ryzen League, and I do think that it's going to be tough for Robert Morris, especially when you have to play against teams like Cleveland State and company to be able to pick up wins. And I think that this would be a very impactful game for them moving into conference play in a few weeks. Yeah, and then looking at the rest of their schedule, they also have Cornell, who's a talented team out of the Ivy League, to have to deal with before league play. And look, if you just replace Green Bay with Detroit, you still have your two bottom feeders in the league with them and IUPUI. You have teams like Milwaukee and Cleveland State dealing with some injuries because Milwaukee's best player still hasn't been playing for a while. But the rest of the teams, as you mentioned, are really good and capable. There's a lot of scoring depth, and that's been something that RMU has been missing. Again, there's going to be a lot of losses in the mix if they can't get that. And, And by the way, this is also a team that just can't beat IEPUI consistently for some reason. It wouldn't be surprised if they struggle with them for a third year in a row. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I just have no idea of how to explain it because IEPUI has been a team I've made plenty of money betting against as far this season. But in a conference play, they were actually quite solid last year. And they just always seem to have Robert Morris's number. I just can't explain it as what something that I can explain is that this man does terrific job covering college basketball. Tristan Freeman joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soup saying, Tristan, when you take a look at the landscape of college basketball, I was talking about it a little bit before when we started our conversation. It feels like every team has had an outlier or two performance thus far this season, and thus it causes for a lot of questions in college basketball. Is there a team or two that you're going to be watching for going into Christmas, really the next week, even the next two weeks, that you just want to see a little bit more from? Because maybe you're on the fence of whether the team can be able to ascend on the national landscape or not, but you're still a little bit juries out on them. Where are a few teams that you're watching for these next two weeks that have a few questions that you want to answer? Going back to the ACC, Florida State's one of them because they're a team that showed that they can actually win against a team like Colorado, but they've also been inconsistent at times. Like Leonard Hamilton doesn't have two bad years in a row, so I'm curious if they can get things going. And then the team that's going to have a completely new roster soon is is West Virginia. They're going to have Kirk Creasa back from suspension. A cook a cook is getting back into the fold after having his heart condition. And who knows? I mean, the NCAA reportedly is looking back into the Raekwon battle stuff, I think likely because they don't want to deal with the lawsuit. But there's a chance that they're going to get him back as well. If you can get that before a Big 12 play, then they can all of a sudden become you know a, a, a sneaky, dangerous team. They have Massachusetts, Toledo, Ohio State left in the non-con. They're going to have to win those games if they want to have any chance to get back into the bubble conversation. But it ultimately will come down to how they look in the Big 12 play. And I am curious, once Kirk Risa comes back, how much better can their offense look, or is it still going to be shaky? Yep, I think that that's a big question as well. And then I do want to throw at you one more, because we saw this game go down on Sunday, and we saw Memphis go on the road take down Texas A&M, 
How do you feel about Memphis right now and their potential upside? Because my biggest question with Memphis coming into the season was whether or not all these talented pieces would gel. We knew that it was going to be a new look team. We knew that there was going to be some growing pains, but I feel like they're a little bit further along than what I expected. And I think Memphis showed on Sunday that if they can just be able to get the chemistry down and I feel like they're a little bit further along than I was anticipating coming into the year that this team on the national landscape can also be incredibly dangerous. The most important thing for them is that they know who to go to guy. That's Davi Jones, the transfer from St. John's, averaging over 20 points a game. He's been fantastic for them. Quinterly has been a good point guard for them. And they don't have big man Jordan Brown, but he hasn't been overly great for them. And assuming you know the reports and rumors are true that he's not going to return to them, they still got Nick Jordan and Malcolm Damage inside. So they still got enough front court depth. The AAC isn't very good overall. So we'll have to see what they do in the next couple of weeks. They have a matchup with Virginia, and that's going to be really interesting to see. As you said, has the team gelled and come along together enough to go up against a defense that gives everyone fits? Yep, absolutely. And I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do in the last few weeks of our conference play, going into conference play. And we've got ourselves a lot of fun to take a look at the next few weeks before Christmas. And then we strap up for what is going to be a tremendous few months of conference play. And Tristan, I know you're here for it. I know that you're doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at this great game of college basketball. So let the good people at home know what's on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yes, sir. You can follow me at hoopsnet 351 on Twitter slash X. You can also follow at Bustin' Brackets. And even though the schedule is going to get a little quieter in the next few days, we'll be having various power rankings on the leagues one month in and then previewing what's going to be probably the best Saturday slate of the season coming up. Yeah, it is going to be an absolutely tremendous slate. And Tristan, he does a great job of being able to cover it all every single time he joins his podcast. He lends absolutely amazing insight. So big thanks to Tristan for joining me on Cuscus Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we hit some big shots. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Perfect. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. With myself, Greg Eaps Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family Podcast. And it's always great to be joined by Tristan Freeman. He does amazing work over at Bus and Brackets, taking a look at this game of basketball that we all know and love. He's out there in the great state of Pennsylvania, but he does a great job covering all 362 D1 teams. Every single time he joins this podcast, lends great insights, much like he did today. So a big thanks to Tristan for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at GNNRSCORTY1. Today, we've got three games on the normal Las Vegas betting board before extra games, which involves the Southland, it involves the Northeast Conference, the America East, the MEAC, the SWAC, the Southland. Those are the games that are at the bottom. Any games not involving those conferences, those are going to be up top. And it begins with 881, 882 on the betting board. Yale hits the road face off against Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac is a road favorite of seven points, and your total is between 146F and 147. I did say Yale as a six half point favorite. So here at the seven, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the points with Yale. This was very much a defense oriented team a season ago, and it's the complete opposite this year. Yale, in terms of points scored on a per possession basis, a relatively middle of the road team. I feel like they've been a little bit better on the offensive side of things, especially from the outside. But in terms of their defense, they went from being a top 35 team in the country in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis to now being 223rd, and yet they're being valued higher than they did last season, which I do find to be a little bit extreme. Now, you take a look at this Quinnipiac bunch, and certainly they aren't what they were on defense a season ago. Season ago, it sounded like they were amazing on defense, but they certainly weren't 219th in the country. Turns points a lot on a per-possession basis, but I do think that Matt Blonich is going to be able to play a big role in this game and be able to keep Quinnipiac in it, shooting 39.5% from three, 17 points per contest, going up against a Yale team that has been able to find that main rebounder. Danny Wolf has been able to give you 8.5 rebounds per game. 
last season. It was just sort of a piecemeal effort with a bunch of guys just sort of grabbing boards. And you still sort of have that outside of Danny Wolf. As you got Matt Noling, who's been able to give you 11.5 points, 4.5 boards. Dealt with a little bit of injury, missed a pair of games, but now he's back in the fold. Nick Townsend has been able to give you about four or so rebounds per game as well. And for Yale, to their credit, they're doing a nice job not turning the ball over. Nine and a half times per contest is how many times they are turning it over. Meanwhile, Quinnipiac, 13 turnovers per game, but with this Quinnipiac team as well, they are shooting 36% from three-par range. You've been able to get some good versatility out of Rihad Varvis. Hopefully I said that correctly. The gentleman from Latvia has been able to shoot about 40% from three-par range. Began the beginning part of the season a little bit banged up. Starting to get more and more minutes. He's starting to do a nice job for this team. You've also got a Quinnipiac bunch at their top seven scores. All but one of them do give you at least four rebounds per game with that lone exception being Savion Lewis who's giving out 7.9 assists per game. That is a top three mark in all of college basketball. With Quinnipiac they do get a little bit loose with it but I do think that they've got the best facilitator in this game that's no disrespect to Bass Embeg, who's been able to do a solid job for the Yale team as well in terms of not turning it over, but I feel like you get a little bit more explosiveness out of this Quinnipiac team, and I do think that for Yale they are going to look themselves in the mirror and try to be able to hunker down a little bit more on defense. Their defensive slide has been partially because they have played a really rough schedule. Yale's still not playing up-tempo. They're about 257th of the country. In terms of total possessions per game, Quinnipiac more around 85th. I do think that this game gets tied down a little bit, but Quinnipiac with Blanich along with Lewis in the backcourt. Hold in there. One takes seven or more with Quinnipiac. Set my total at 144 and a half. So looking at the under and seven plus points with Quinnipiac. Now we get to my DK Network right up pick. This is 883, 884 on the board. It is Delaware. They throw it to face off against Robert Morris. Robert Morris is any between a 5.5 to a 6.0 underdog. Throws between 146.5 and 147.5. Talked about Robert Morris a little bit earlier with Tristan Freeman. And I do think that Robert Morris has a good chance for this game to be a rubber stamp for them. I like them outright on the money line. Now, when this article comes out, it'll probably be before money lines are available. So the write-up will be officially taking 5.5 slash 6 points, whatever the number is when it is published. That is what I'm going to be willing to take. But I think that Robert Morris is able to get it against a Delaware team that has really hit the skids in terms of their defense. 74 plus points allowed in each other last four games after they got off to a really nice start on defense. 68 points or fewer surrender in each other first five games, but the reason why the defense was so good to begin the season is that you face off against Brown, Delaware State, Air Force, a non-D1 school in Bucknell. So, they really saw things go downward with regards to the increase in competition. Now, for Delaware, they've got a really solid rebounder in Christian Ray, who's been able to give you 8.5 points, 8.5 boards. I like what he's able to bring to the table. And for Delaware, they've done a nice job taking care of the ball. Only about 10.5 turnovers per game. They face off against a Robert Morris team that has been a little bit sloppy with it. 14 turnovers per game out of them, but they've been able to do a better job of turning the ball over fewer times on a per-possession basis in their life last three games and a big reason why is because it's something I laid out a little bit before. Each of your top four scorers for Robert Morris have missed at least one game this year, so they've been a little bit of a turnstile. Now that you've got Josh Corbin back in the fold after he missed three games, now that you've got TJ Wainwright back after he dealt with a little bit of an off-the-court absence to begin the season. I do think that things are going to rise up for a Robert Morris team that also shooting only about 28.5% from three-point range. You go up against a Delaware team that's more like 160th in the country in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage, so I do think that that'll be a nice stick-up, and I think that Robert Morris can win this battle down low with what Marquise Hastings has brought to the table. Was at Western Michigan last season where he was logging about 8.5 points, 9.5 boards, really didn't have a lot of range. He popped threes, but you should 
shooting about 20% for three. He's actually become their best three-point shooter at 39%. He's got really good versatility. I think that that's going to be a hard guard for a Delaware team that does have a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades in Jalon Trent of their own. He comes over from the Summit League over at North Dakota. 11 points, 4.5 boards, 3.5 assists per contest, and then Jair Davis has been able to rise up as their main scorer with 18 points per game, but Davis has never been a great three-point shooter. Shooting 28% from distance this year is a career 25% three-point shooter. Robert Morris, they're a team that they like to get physical in terms of fouls on a per-possession basis, right around 285th, and they go up against a Delaware team that their kryptonite on offense has been at the free-throw line, shooting about 66% at the charity strike, bottom 70 in all of college basketball. I do think that Robert Morris is going to make this a physical game. I think that they're going to be able for some turnovers. I think that Robert Morris busts through against a Delaware team that have to wonder if they're feeling a little bit fat and happy after their big win over Xavier, and it is a defense that, as I mentioned, it's given up 80-plus in three out of their last four games. I do think that things are going to be bogged down just a little bit more. I did something total 143. Robert Morris, traditionally a little bit more of a slow and controlled team. Delaware outside the top 200 in terms of total possessions per game, and I do think that Delaware shooting about 37% from three. See some regression there, so diving in on the under. My DK Network write-up pick. That is going to be officially taking the points with Robert Morris, and I personally, I'm going to be taking a stab on them outright on the money line. 885-886 is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we ate the extra games. Utah Tech gets the road face-off against Kelsey Northridge. CSUN is in a pick'em game, and Thornton's game is in between 145 and 146, and with CSUN, I did set them as a 3.5-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. With CSUN, this team has really cranked up their tempo under Andy Newman, who was coaching over at Cal State Bernardino last season. He has really brought this team some tempo. They were outside the top three in terms of total possessions per game last season. Now they're in the top 60. It is a team that they get reckless with the ball. 15.7 turnovers per game, but you got Deshaun Ellen Eikens, who's really done a nice job of being that main headline scorer with 21 points per contest on 40% three-point shooting to go along with six and a half rebounds per game. This team doesn't necessarily have ideal size, but you've got a lot of guys that are able to hit the boards out of your top six scores. You've got five of them grabbing at least 3.9 rebounds per game, and you've got your top three scores and Allen Eikens along with Deontay Bostic throwing their Keontae Jones, all generating at least a seal per contest as well. And then on the flip side, you've got a Utah Tech team that they have a tough time taking care of the ball. 15.3 turnovers per game. They don't force as many seals as the CSUN team does. So they do have one guy that's been able to do a relatively solid job in terms of being able to generate turnovers in David Elliott. But problem is, he's been missing the last six games. Does not look like he's going to be good to go in this one. So that means that Utah Tech becomes a little bit more one-dimensional. Utah Tech has been very good with regards to the three-point shooting, shooting about 38% from distance. Tanner Christensen, a six-foot-nine, little bit of combo player. It's giving you about 13 points, seven at board, shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. You've been able to have Beyon Riley come in and shoot, not even kidding her, 63% from three-point range as he's a career 30% three-point shooter. So I think that that's going to be going downward a little bit. Other than Riley, Lon Tanner Christensen, you really don't have a lot of rebounding on this Utah Tech team. It is a Utah Tech punch at they play a little bit more up-tempo as well, so I do think that this is going to be a relatively up-and-down game, and in terms of both of these teams, they've actually been quite surprising with their defense. CSUN is a top-60 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Utah Tech, more in the neighborhood, about 154, so I do think that that's really interesting to take a look at, but I think in terms of just sheer possessions, you are going to be able to get a lot of scoring, and on top of that, both of these teams have really benefited from playing some lackluster competition. For the last five games for CSUN, they played a non-D1 foe, Northern Colorado, Pacific, Mississippi Valley State, and LeMoyne. Utah Tech had a tough game against Washington State, but 
Lindenwood, Utah Valley, Cal Baptist, and Idaho. That explains why these two teams have been so good with their defense. I do think that this comes down to late game falling in. I do think that you get an up and down game that involves a lot of scoring. Semi total 155 and a half. Looking at the over and looking at CSUN on this pickup line. Now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. 306-595-306-596. Texas A&M Commerce plays us in Northern Colorado. Pick'em game here across the board with a total of 143.5, and I said Commerce is a two-point favorite. Texas A&M Commerce actually has a win on their resume against St. Joe's, which is just absolutely wild, and for Northern Colorado, they've had to turn St. Thomas into St. Do-It-All. 16.5 points, 9.5 boards, 3.8 assists per game, so he has certainly been able to deliver for this team, but that said, he's not getting a lot of help from his friends. The team overall is shooting about 31% from three-point range. He's the only guy giving you north of 5.1 rebounds per game. He's been able to get about five boards, 12 points per game out of Brock Wisney, so that's been a little bit of something, and you have Riley Abercrombie. He's been in college basketball for seemingly 500 years. There's no Fitch to go along with him, but at six foot nine, he's been able to shoot for his career about 38% from three-point range, but as is been the case since really the dawn of time for Northern Colorado. This team has been absolutely putrid on defense. In terms of points a lot on a per possession basis, they're clocking in right around 180 seconds. It's a Commerce team that they're right around 300, so they've certainly had their issues, but with Commerce, you do have a little bit more in terms of a backcourt to rely upon. Alonzo Dodd, about three assists to 1.3 turnovers per game. They'll be able to get quite a bit out of a pair of guys I really do like as well in Jerome Brewer Jr. along Kalen Williams, combining for about 25.5 points per game. It is a Commerce team that they only shoot about 30% from three-point range, but they generate turnovers. Each of your top three scores for the team are giving you at least a steal per contest. You've got a team that has a, quite a bit of depth. They're not afraid to go about 10 or so deep as well, and I do think that they're going to be able to get a little bit more moving forward out of Tommy Lewis, someone who was dealing with a little bit of an injury towards the beginning part of the season, but we've noticed ever since he has come back into the fold, the team has had a little bit more explosiveness in general, being able to bust through the 90-point plateau in two of the last four games that he has played in, so I do think that Texas A&M Commerce, in a little bit of an early game, as this is going to be a 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time game, that they're going to have a little bit of a leg up on a Northern Colorado team that they do have to travel time zone for this one. It is a little bit of a funky spot. St. Thomas is the best player out there on the floor, but he just really doesn't have a lot of help. Meanwhile, you've got a Texas A&M Commerce team in which a hole is greater than some of its parts. So, this is a spot in which I am going to be taking a look at Commerce, set them as a two-point favorite, and did somebody total at 146. I do think that you get some late game fouling to push it over, and you know, the Commerce team has been relatively rough on defense. So, looking at the over and looking at Commerce on this pick and line. 306-597, 306-598. Fairly Dickinson is going to be playing us at Columbia. Columbia a two and a half to a three point favorite in your totals between 157 half and 158 and a half. I made Fairly Dickinson a five point favorite. I'm going to be willing to take Fairly Dickinson out right on the money line. With Columbia, they have been able to do a nice job of being able to rise up a little bit this year, but I still have some massive question marks with them. I do like what Geronimo Rubio de la Rosa has been able to do in the backcourt. He's able to log about 13 points per game. He's been a solid three-point shooter, but when it comes to this Columbia team as a whole, they certainly still have some holes with their defense. They've only got one guy pulling in north of four rebounds per game. That'd be player Thompson, who's got some nice versatility. Ten points, six boards. His 51.5% three-point shooting, that is unsustainable. It's a team that turns the ball over 13 times per game, and I do think that going up against a very up-tempo Fairleigh Dickinson team might be a little bit difficult for them. Fairleigh Dickinson doesn't have a lot of size, so the fact that Columbia doesn't do a great job on the glass, 
That's an Achilles heel that will not be exploited. You've got so many guys from that team a season ago that were so solid. Ansley Elmorner has really been your top scorer. 16 points, 5.5 boards. You've got a team on Fairleigh Dickinson that has a lot of guys in general that throwing in there from three-point range. Even with having John Munden Jr. dealing with a little bit of an injury, you've had Joel Emanuel really be able to step up, shooting 36.5% from three-point range. He's logged nine-plus points in four out of the last five games. Been able to get quite a bit of production as well out of Devontae Jamison. Jamison has come up from the non-D1 ranks. He's shooting about 36.5% from three, and he's been able to run a pretty efficient team. 5.1 assists to about 2.3 turnovers per contest. It's not a Columbia team that's going to go out there and get a bunch of seals. Meanwhile, you've got a fairly Dickinson team that they are able to rifle the ball away. They've been able to generate nine turnovers per contest for Columbia. The scoring has certainly been there for this team. They've been able to put in there at least 70 points in four of their last five games with the defense starting to slip up a little bit as well. They give up 70 plus points so Lafayette team has won the source in all of college basketball for Fairleigh Dickinson. This team has been pretty much rocket ship with their offense. Sands that game that they had against Fordham about a week or two ago this team has been able to get to 70 plus on the regular all season long so I do think that for Fairleigh Dickinson they're going to be able to match the firepower that Columbia has in the backcourt with their own with Columbia not necessarily having a ton down low. I think the Fairleigh Dickinson gets the job done on their home floor. I did say Columbia as a five-point underdog. So looking at Fairleigh Dickinson, all right on the money line, and they did something total 157. It's a Columbia team that I think is going to be playing their mid-tempo style. They're going to try to not get sped up too much by Fairleigh Dickinson, and I do think that for Columbia, they are going to see their three-point shooting dry up a little bit. They've been shooting right around 35.5% from the outside. So diving in on the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Fairleigh Dickinson, all right on the money line. 306, 599, 306, 600. New Hampshire is going to be playing with Sonil, and Sonil is an under Underdog of 14 points. Your total is between 150 and 115 and a half. I said New Hampshire is a 19.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it. This is a Stone Hill team that is a legit bottom 20 team in all of college basketball. They're 1 in 10. They have absolutely no rebounding whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they don't have a single guy with north of 4.4 rebounds per game, and that would be Pano Devious. He's been able to do a relatively okay job there, but they've also now been dealing with so many injuries. Jackson Biagini has been missing a little bit of time. He should be good to go in this one as he was missing time a little bit earlier on during the season, but you're still waiting to see what you're going to be able to get out of Sean Hotel moving forward as he's been out the past two to three games. Looks like he's going to be out once again, and he's one of four guys right now that's averaging north of six half points per game, so it really does leave you in a rough bind for a Sonel team that's turned the ball over 13 half times per game, and it's currently in the bottom 40 in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis, going up against a New Hampshire team that they do a nice job of being able to get about eight seals per game. You've got a big two in Clarence O'Daniels along with Ahmad Robinson. These two guys have been able to log about 35 and a half points per game. Daniels is able to give you eight and a half boards, shooting 40% from three-point range, and each of your top five scores for New Hampshire, as a matter of fact, shooting at least 34.5% from three-point range. Jackson Baker logging six and a half rebounds at a block per game. Makes this team tough down low, and unlike Stone Hill, New Hampshire, they've done a very good job of taking care of the ball. Only about 10.5 turnovers per game. Now, is New Hampshire an ideal defense? No, they're not, but at the same time, they've been able to do a nice job, considering this was a very low and slow team a season ago. They were well outside the top 250 in terms of total possessions per game. They've cranked it up into the top 65, and they're still a top 200 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, giving up about 10.5 points fewer per one-arm possessions when they are at home rather than when they are in the road as well. So I like what I'm seeing there. I just think that this is going to be flat-out domination from a Swindle team that they rely so much on. Max Zigarowski has been able to give you about 12.5 to 13 points per game. He's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range, but for this 
Stonehill team. A lack of size, coupled with a team that really doesn't shoot a ball from three with that lack of size, I think is going to be costly against a New Hampshire bunch that really has been able to do a nice job with their offense. And it's a New Hampshire team that has been able to do a relatively solid job of covering as well. I believe that they have now covered three out of their last four games. And for Stonehill, been very, very rough for them to be able to get to 70 points. Meanwhile, they've given up at least 79 in four out of their last five games. So it is a spot where I did said New Hampshire is a 19 and a half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number and made my total of 153 and a half. So here at the 150, looking at the over and willing to lay the big number with New Hampshire. 306-601, Penn, the Quakers are going to be playing us to Howard. Howard is a four and a half to a five point underdog. Your total between 148 and 148 and a half with Howard. I did set them as an underdog six and a half points. I'm going to be willing to lay this number with Ben. Ben coming off of a little bit of a rough one on Saturday against Kentucky, but I think there's going to be a lot of teams coming off of a rough one when they do play against Kentucky, and when it comes to this Penn team, they've done a really nice job of being able to score by a committee without Jordan Dingle thus far this season. Clark Slashert has become a little bit more of your main man, logging about 19 points per game, but Nick Spinoso and his versatility has been tremendous. He's able to give you about 7.5 boards, 3.5 assists per game. It's a Penn team that is shooting as a collective 40.5% from 3 point range. Now, that should be ticking downward quite a bit, but still, this is a Howard team in which they've got their question marks with regards to being able to take care of the ball. It certainly is one of the most up-tempo teams in all of college basketball, and that leads to more turnovers, but still need to be doing better than 16 turnovers per contest now with Howard. You do have some nice headline scores for the team, as you've had Chai Odom be able to step up. He's been able to give the team about 10 points per game. Seth Towns, who I mean, he's very familiar with Ben because he spent the beginning part of his career, not even kidding, like five to six years ago over at Harvard. He's been absolutely incredible since coming off of injury, 18 points, seven and a half boards, shooting 47% from three-point range as the Van Wilder in all of college basketball. But one thing that is certainly eluding Howard is just overall shooting defense as in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage, Howard have not really been able to do a great job of holding it down with that regard as they are allowing opponents on the road to shoot 35.7% from three. They've been a very good home three-point shooting defense, but on the road, it's been an entirely different story. You've got a pen bunch that they turned the ball for 12 and a half times for contest, so that's going to be a little bit of an issue going up against a do-it-all player. Bryce Harris has been able to give you 16 points, six half boards, but with Penn, they've done a nice job being able to find some ancillary pieces. They're able to kick it in a high gear. They've been able to get a lot moving forward as well out of someone like a Sam Brown, who is out towards the beginning part of the season. He has come back after missing four games, 11 points on 49% three-point shooting. You've got just so much more depth with this Penn team. Meanwhile, for Howard, it is a bunch of, they're just going to give up points. You have to accept that. 80-plus points surrendered in three of their last four games. It's Penn team has been all over the place in terms of their offense, and their numbers are a little bit warped by the fact that they have played a few overtime sessions, so a very interesting spot to say the least. I did set my total at 152 and a half. I do think that you get an up and down game, so looking at the over end, want to lay up to six with Penn. 306-603, 306-604. South Carolina State plays us to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a favorite of four and a half points. Total is 147 to 147 and a half. Set Jacksonville is a 7.5 favorite. I'm going to be one to lay this summer. It's been a rough year for the Jacksonville defense. They're outside the top 125. Turns points a lot on a per possession basis, but 
how they get a South Carolina State team that is in the bottom 75 nationally in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. Davion Everett has had to be the do-it-all player for this team. 1.75 rebounds per game. You've got one other player that's giving you north of 4.1 rebounds per game and freshman Drayton Jones. This team was a relatively okay three-point shooting team a season ago. They lost all those pieces. Right now you've got one guy on the roster that's averaging more than three points per game that's shooting above 30% from three-point range. As a collective, they shoot 65% free throw line, 26.5% from three with 15.5 turnovers per game. While Jacksonville certainly adds some of their doldrums on offense, they're only shooting about 31% from three with 14 turnovers per game. They do have Robert McCray, the fifth. He comes in from Wake Forest. 18.5 points, three assists per game. You've been able to have Josiah Powell be able to give you a pair of assists per contest, take a little bit of the edge off, and three assists per game out of Marcus Black as well, who's coming from the non-D1 ranks. He's done a nice job shooting about 43% from three-point range. It actually began his career over at ETSU as well. And then down low, you've got enough to be able to match up with Everett with Bryce Workman being able to give you about seven rebounds per game as well. It's a Jacksonville team that they do need to build themselves up once again on the defensive side of things as it's been pretty lackluster. They have now given up 79 plus points in three of their last four games. But guys, South Carolina State team that it's been even worse for them. 80 plus points surrendered in four of their last five games, all while scoring 71 points or fewer in now three of those last five games. It's been very difficult for South Carolina to say the least, and I do think that Jacksonville going to be able to get back to their defensive roots. This is still not a Jacksonville team that is playing super-duper up tempo for South Carolina State. They always do. They are currently 21st in the country. South Carolina State is in terms of total possessions per game for Jacksonville. They're still right around mid-tempo, 172nd in the country with this regard. Last year, they were playing at a pace of about 63 possessions per game, and I do think that they're going to try to calm this game down a little bit. I think that they're going to have success with it and get the job done with their backcourt. So I did set Jacksonville as a seven-point favorite, could be one to lay the number and made my total of 145. So going under and going with Jacksonville laying the number. 306605, 306606. Sam I Hanford is gonna be playing us at Alabama AM. Alabama AM is a 17 and a half to an 18 and a half point underdog. And your total is 153 and a half. And with Sanford, I set them as a 23 and a half point favorite. I'm gonna be willing to lay the number for Alabama AM. They are completely gutted from last year. Last year, they had much more down low. They were able to have someone like Messiah Jones be able to give you double figures. And really, the guy that has to do it all right now is Dalen Smith. And Dalen Smith has been solid for the team. 12.5 points, four boards. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to lead the way in terms of a few steals per game, as well as Caleb Blackwell has been able to help out a little bit on the defensive side of things as well. Two steals, three assists per game, but he's only been able to give you about nine points per contest. And other than Dalen Smith, Alonzo Mari Peak, you don't have a single guy in the roster. And it's giving you north of 6.4 points per game. This for a team that doesn't have a single player averaging at least four rebounds per game. That is absolutely terrible. Meanwhile, you've got a bunch on the flip side in Sanford that certainly has been dealing with some injuries. They've been having guys in and out of the fold, but this team can really get it going in terms of being able to force some turnovers. It's an Alabama A&M team that's had all sorts of issues being able to take care of the ball. 14 and a half turnovers per game. They really have no rhyme or reason with their offense right now. And for Sanford, you've got guys that are able to bomb it from three-point range along with a point guard in Ryland Jones, who, I mean, this guy was absolutely tremendous. It's what he was at Utah. It feels like he's honestly gotten worse throughout his college basketball career, but now he's been much more efficient here at Sanford. Four assists of 1.3 turnovers per game while shooting 40% from three-point range and 
For this bunch, you've got four of your top five guys shooting at least 40% from three-par range in terms of points per game. Now, they have a deal with an injury to Jermaine Marshall. He's a guy that's able to do a nice job with his versatility. 12 points, four boards, shooting north of 40% for three. Figures to be out once again, but you've had anchor, anchor, be able to give you seven rebounds per game down low to be able to help mitigate that. On top of that, you've been able to get right around two assists and a little bit of scoring as well out of Garrett Hicks, who began his career over at Alabama A&M. This team in Samford is able to generate a little bit over 11 seals per game, so they do a nice job of being able to turn their defense in offense. Got an Alabama A&M bunch that has scored fewer than 60 points in now three out of their last four games as well. Meanwhile, for Samford, they've been giving up their fair share of points, 71 plus in three of their last four, but they've gotten to at least 79 in each of the last five with Alabama A&M really having nothing down low with them having a tough time taking care of the ball against the Samford team that generates these turnovers and with this Alabama A&M team in the top 10 in the country in terms of fouls committed per game, I think that Samford going to be able to dominate this game, so I did set Sanford as a favorite of more in the neighborhood, about 23.5 points. I'm going to be willing to lay the number in with regards to this total. Set mine at a 159.5. I think that Sanford does a tremendous job of turning defense into offense, so I'm going to be taking a look at Sanford laying the number and taking a look at the over. 306607, 306.08. Gonzaga plays those two Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley State between a 39.5 and a 40.5 point underdog. Totals between 141 and 141 and a half. I did set Gonzaga's 42 and a half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number for Gonzaga. Such a bad end to their game on a Saturday where they scored just three points in the final seven plus minutes. I think that they're angry and I think that they're going to take it out on a Mississippi Valley State team that has covered a few games because Raekwon Brown has honestly been a solid player. 15 points, four and a half boards. For their standards, a really good three-point shooter at 31% from the outside. The reason why I say that is because Mississippi Valley State right now is shooting 60.5% of the free throw line with 16 turnovers on 27.5% three-point shooting. He's gotten a little bit of help with Donovan Sanders stepping up, being able to give the team 10 points, two assists per contest, and his two assists per game that currently leads the way. Nobody other than Brown is giving you north of four rebounds per game, and as a matter of fact, other than the four rebounds per game that you get out of Areco Gibson, these are the only two guys that are giving you north of three rebounds per game. Gonzaga is going to absolutely wreck them down low with Anton Watson and Graham EK just being very versatile, having size with a combined 29 points, 16 and a half boards. With Watson, he gives out about 2.3 assists per game. And both of these guys shooting 40 plus percent from three point range. This certainly isn't the Gonzaga team that you all know and love. Ryan Nemar is not quite at the level that we've seen from like Jalen Suggs and guys like this in past years, as he has been turning the ball over about three times for contests. And he's currently shooting 21 percent from three. We should see some positivity there. But I love what I've seen out of Brayden Enough. Brayden Enough as a freshman, a little bit under the radar in my opinion, has been able to do a really nice job of being able to contribute 47.5% from three-point range. He has seen a lot of limits with regards to his minutes recently. I think that they're going to let him cook quite a bit more in this one, figuring that he is good to go, as I know that there's been a few injury reports out there, but even if he's out, I mean, something like a Dusty Stromer is just much better than what Mississippi Valley State is able to throw out there. I do think that Mississippi Valley State does their part with the total, and I do their part with the total, I mean, get to right around about 50 or so points that's all that they need to do now. That is actually quite a stretch for this team as they have now scored 48 points or fewer in regulation in four of their last five games. And it's a Mississippi Valley State squad that they have yet to really break the 60-point plateau in regulation ever since the beginning of the season as their game against Pacific went to overtime. That was like 57-57 to 57 
going into overtime. So you do have your trepidations there, but I do think that Gonzaga is going to be able to light it up. We've seen them handle lesser competition, and they should be able to do so here. We're going to lay up to 42 with Gonzaga, made by total 152.5. So looking over and looking Gonzaga, we wrap things up with 306.609, San Francisco plays host to New Orleans, and New Orleans is an underdog of 19.5 points, and your total on this game is anywhere between 145.5 and 146, and I did set San Francisco as an 18-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to take the 19-plus here with New Orleans. New Orleans is going to have a tremendous score out there that I think is going to be able to keep them lively as Jordan Johnson has been absolutely amazing. He's been able to put in there north of 20 points per contest. Not quite shooting the 48-plus percent from three-point range like he did a season ago, but still, he's been able to do a nice job lighting it up from the outside. You're going to need to have some help for him, but he's been able to hold the ball with about four and a half assists per game while still being able to shoot about 39% from three-point range. Javon Vincent has come on as a little bit of a rebounder with about six boards per game now. That's one place where New Orleans is going to get crushed. They don't have a lot of size as you're going to be able to get good production out of Jonathan Mogbo. 15 points, 10 rebounds per contest for the San Francisco team. That Overall, they do need to shape up with their turnovers. 13 and a half turnovers per game was a bugaboo for them last season, but Mongolian Mike is able to give you four assists, 10 points per contest. Marcus Williams is able to give you about 15 points, and with San Francisco, they do a really nice job of taking away the ball. Each of your top four scores have been able to generate at least a CL per game. Now, one issue that I do have with San Francisco is that they've got a lot of size. You've got Vladimir Morkov, Isaiah Hawthorne, guys like this that aren't seeing a lot of minutes. I mean, heck, even a little bit more of a versatile guy in 6'8", Stefan Tordvik, who aren't giving you a lot of rebounding. Mogbo is the only guy on the roster that's been able to give you north of four rebounds per game. New Orleans certainly doesn't do a great job on the glass, and they're still going to lose that battle, but been able to get about five rebounds per game out of Deontay Bell, who's been able to step up a little bit more after he's been an afterthought last few years with this team, and it's a New Orleans team that, as a whole, has done a nice job of being able to shape up with regards to turnovers. Last year, they were one of the worst teams that take care of the ball in all of college basketball. Now they're generating nearly 10 steals per game. They're only turning it over 12 times for contests, and I do think that because they do such a good job of being able to take care of the ball, that's going to allow them to be able to score some points, get this total over and keep them in this game. I set my line at 18, so we'll take the points with New Orleans and the over, and that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of Coast to Coast Seeps, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Seeps, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And a big thanks to Tristan Freeman of Bustin' Brackets for joining me in the last segment. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.